Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What does the future hold for St. Louis and how do we get there? This is Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome into our innovation conversation. Michael and Travis with you. We got a lot to get to on this edition of the show. It is Thanksgiving week, but Michael, I got to check out uh, the second annual Thanksgiving. Ah. Think, so think instead of think, Thanksgiving pr- uh, produced by our friends at Filament, and it was a lot of fun. Wow, there were it was like a science fair because there were these cardboard trifolds. You remember those in the old science fair days? Oh yes. Yeah, they were all set up everywhere, and it had uh, I think there were 31 corporates partnered with 31 local nonprofits, all solving nonprofit challenges. It was really cool. I got to experience it and talk to a few folks out at 4220 uh, in the Cortex District. I think I give thanks this Thanksgiving. Well, I'm glad you are very thankful uh, this Thanksgiving season. Uh, (laughs) It's been a big week, though, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We've had uh, a lot of startups coming to St. Louis from all over the world this week. They've been traveling here. 15 of the most innovative digital health companies have been here for the Global STL Health Innovation Summit. We've told you about this before, and every year it's something different. New companies coming in. What countries are they coming to St. Louis from? This is BioSTL, really just going out all over the globe and saying, if you're a company that's in healthcare, digital health, you really ought to be in St. Louis if you're coming to the United States. And so we'll hear about these 15 companies that were a part of the the group this year, you know, who they've been meeting with. They come to St. Louis, they meet with the hospital systems, our companies like Centene and Express Scripts, anybody who could be a customer or a partner, basically. And a lot of these companies leave and say, you know, I'm from uh, Israel, Argentina, what have you. I would have thought... San Francisco or Boston for our first St. Louis presence. I had no idea St. Louis was such a hub. Maybe we'll put our first U.S. presence there instead. And what a great business attraction mechanism, right? It, it's showing off the city, but not only that, it's connecting these early stage companies from around the world to possible customers, some of the biggest and best customers and corporates in our region. Uh, and BioSTL has been doing this for a number of years now. And then we'll finish off the show by telling you about a new partnership between United Healthcare and Harris-Stowe State University. Yeah, they're uh, they're helping students get into the field of bioinformatics. Uh, this is a nice uh, kind of mashup between you know the technology side and the health side of uh, of the biotech sector. And so we've got a lot to get to. Stay tuned. We've got it all coming up for you, beginning right after this. It's Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now back to Nothing Impossible on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
All right, welcome back in to Nothing Impossible. Travis Sheridan on location at the 4220 building in the midst of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a roar, a, a tussle in the crowd, and uh, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving sounds really weird. People are eating turkey during this time of year or whatever they choose to eat. Uh, but also people are trying to solve big challenges. And uh, I get to sit down right now with uh, three, two participants and an organizer. So Matt Homan from Filament, Sarah Hall from Faith Through Fire, and Dan Susie from Spire. Uh, Faith Through Fire and Spire were partnered up for this. Mm -hmm. But Matt, before we get into them, tell us first, what is Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is an event that we've built that pairs innovation and strategy professionals from usually big companies with deserving nonprofits for a day of solving a creative challenge that the nonprofit has that is not money related. So you ask Do they it, have challenges that are not money related? You ask a nonprofit what they need and they almost always say more money. We take money off the table and the challenges are around strategy, culture, innovation, process, technology, really any one of a number of things. And it's uh, really cool for the innovation partners, the for-profits to step forward and use their brain power uh, to help a nonprofit in a unique, creative way. And how many years have you been doing this now? This is number two. Okay. And how many participants did you have? So first year we had 17 nonprofits paired with 17 innovation partners. This year we're at 31 each. Wow. So 62 teams are here at uh, Cortex. Uh, we think by best count over 300 people participated in Thanksgiving this year. That's a big Thanksgiving table. It is a large table. <laughs> And, and Sarah, you're with uh, Faith Through Fire. You're one of the nonprofits that participated? Yes, correct. So before we get into what the experience was, tell us first about Faith Through Fire. Yeah, Faith Through Fire is a nonprofit that supports women through a breast cancer diagnosis. So we have a mentoring program, and then we also have a Build-A-Bear program for women's kids who are di uh, impacted by the diagnosis. And how long have you all been around? Three years. Has it been an easy three years? No. <laughs> no, we launched right before the pandemic, so no. <laughs> but it's been fun and impactful, so yeah. Uh, well, speaking of fun and impactful, tell us about your Thanksgiving experience. This was, It's our first year. Um, it was really fun. Uh, it was great to get to know everybody at Spire and to bring kind of our issues to the table and just kind of have a really fun and creative brainstorming process with everybody. It was fun to, it was fun to do and fun to be a part of. And I understand there's this thing called uh, unreasonable request that's uh, to be made? Uh -huh. did, did Faith Through Fire have an unreasonable request? I mean, I don't feel like we had, I mean, yeah, in nonprofit world, everything is an unreasonable request. And I think it's all about like your mindset when you come to it. Like I think anything can be accomplished. And so it's just all about creativity and what you bring to the table. And Dan, so you're with Spire. Uh, this is an interesting way to do team building and, you know, uh, giving back and philanthropy. Tell us a little bit about why Spire got involved in something like this. Yeah, I mean, well, Matt's a great salesman to begin with. I, I uh, <laughs> Our friends over at Ameren, I think, made an introduction between Matt and I, and he didn't have to work too hard to sell me on it. Uh, it just sounded like a, you know, an incredible opportunity to, to give back to the community, to spend a little time doing kind of what we do every day at Spire, but do it for a much higher purpose, a much better cause. You know, not that... Um, you know, as you can imagine, working at a utility is not an all-day thrill ride every day, but this is a day that everyone really, really looks forward to. I have no problem getting people to, you know, work on the team with us on this. And it's, again, it's, it's just a great opportunity to, to take the kind of skill set that we have, that we apply every day, and use it for something way, way, way more important. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what, what, how did you assemble your team? And, you know, this is like an Avengers opportunity, right? Like, yeah. how did you bring everybody together for this type yeah. of thing? 
Exactly. I mean, we're very aware that as a large corporation, we have access to some resources that a lot of these smaller nonprofits just don't do. So when, when the challenge is presented to us, the first thing we think is like, how can we flex our resources to really give them what we may take for granted as a, you know, a large company to really help move the needle for them. So um, the core team is in the strategy and corporate development group. So we set the corporate strategy for Spire and then execute either through partnerships and M&A. So we have a pretty good understanding of all the different functional areas of the business. So depending on where the challenge is, we can pull in people from our marketing team or communications, operations, finance, or wherever they may need a little help. And, and so we kind of, I would say, call on those subject matter experts to help, like you said, kind of build this team to, to kind of you know, serve them as best we can. Matt, as you were conceiving of Thanksgiving a few years ago and finally brought it to light last year and now doing it again, I mean, corporations do philanthropic things all the time, right? They will go clean up a neighborhood from time to time. They, uh, they're really good at writing, you know, big, happy Gilmore-sized checks and presenting them. Uh, why, why was this a different way to engage the corporate community for you? I think there's a couple things about Thanksgiving that just make it unique and cool enough to get interest to begin with. The first one is that we work with the nonprofits to help them build the challenge. We then share the challenges with the for-profits, the innovation partners, and they pick a challenge before they know the nonprofit it belongs to. So they know challenge only, but not organization? We, we do a draft. So yeah. we literally have about an hour draft. All the innovation partners pop on, and it's only after they pick a challenge that should ideally be suited to, their, to the kind of work they do, the team they're assembling, the industry they're in, do they then get paired with that nonprofit? It also allows nonprofits, some here, here who are 30, 40, 50 years old, and others are three years old or even younger, so it evens the playing field for the nonprofits. It turns it into a, uh, uh, we want to work to work on this challenge versus let's pick favorites, let's pick someone who might be a customer of ours someday, et cetera. And so you, we you can't like scroll through and see who their board members are first to see, <laughs> and then make yeah. it a that, strategic decision that way. That's exactly right. And what happened that both last year, which was all virtual, this year our, our teams did a mix of both is that you're giving the innovation partner and the nonprofit a chance to be thoughtful together. The innovation partner isn't coming in to save the day. They're not the savior for the nonprofit. Everyone is thinking about these challenges and they might come from different perspectives, but no one is more qualified than the other to think through it. Yeah. And so it's one of those unique opportunities for nonprofits and for-profits to be on an equal footing and ultimately to be thoughtful and think together, not just drink together. Mm -hmm focus on interesting challenges that are a good fit and while doing the work that you do every day. And, and Sarah, as you were putting your challenge together, mm -hmm. like how were you thinking about the way to craft the perfect challenge for, for your oh, organization? So Beth, who's my counterpart at the organization, she was the one that really kind of, she's the wordsmith and she put a lot of thought into what she wanted our challenge, our, um, our mission statement, what we wanted to kind of work on. Um, really, I think the hardest part was that you want to word it in a way that isn't tied to money. And our, our challenges a lot are tied to that because we are a nonprofit. So that was probably the hardest part, but knowing that marketing wasn't necessarily one of our strong suits and then growing the community, um, I mean, we just got really strategic with the words we used and, and we didn't have anything that had anything to do with breast cancer. We got paired with a whole group of, of guys, which was really cool because then oh, wow. we got to 
hear your experiences and, and get to share with you guys about, um, you know, what women who are diagnosed go through. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so, well, Dan, tell us a little bit about the draft process and were there things that really stood out about Faith Through Fire that, that made you say, this is the one Spire wants to work with? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was a very well-written challenge to begin <laughs> with. It was just a really cohesive, like something you could sink your teeth into. And, and as Matt said, you have no idea what the organization is. We were... Uh, I don't know how we got lucky enough to get number two in draft order out of the I, 31 I teams. Want, I didn't want to ask the draft order, but yeah. you were drafted second. That's, that's they were dra pretty good. We told them that. They Congratulations. Were the second draft. <laughs> yeah. so, so our draft prep meeting wasn't very long. We picked our top two, and and we were lucky enough to get our top one, obviously. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to us, we wanted a, a, a project that, like, had some kind of strategic meat to it where – Somebody was saying, like, we have this real problem with our organization or a real opportunity with our organization. Not a problem. It was actually, what's the opportunity? But we need to go figure out how to best use our really finite resources to, to, to capture those opportunities. And we thought, you know, as Matt said, we, we are not the experts on anything. I feel like we spent the first half of the day just learning about what drives you guys, where you want to be, what you want the organization to look like six months, six years, and 60 years from now. Yeah. And, I mean, that took half, half the day alone. And so many times during the day, I thought, I don't even think you guys need us. You have thought through <laughs> all of this. What you've done in three years is just mind-blowing on, a, like you said, a shoestring budget yeah. and a limited staff. But, but we did our best to try and yeah. kind of it, – it, it, was, it was a brainstorming session more yeah. than anything because, you know, we don't, we don't know uh, any yeah. more than you do. But it's yeah. just – I think it's helpful to get in the room with a whiteboard and just start thinking through it. So That, that uh, is music to Matt's ears when you say, get in a room with a whiteboard. Yeah. Like, yeah. His heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> None of our drawings were quite up to his standards, yeah. but uh, it was pretty good. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that I think is so cool about the engagement is that the teams on both sides, but particularly the teams for the innovation partners, are not made up of the usual suspects, the people who are there at the gala, who buy the table, who play at the golf outing. It's the people who are doing strategy and innovation work. And so it's a, it's a broad cross-section of folks inside an organization and not just the senior executives who are uh, off to go do the gala. Well, and that, I would imagine that also gets, uh, you know, you're able to identify some of your high potential employees, those that uh, maybe fly under the radar a bit and give them a very meaningful way to give back and contribute. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so, Sarah, what's the outcome been for you all? It's been good. It, we've. Are they we've, all donors, by the way? No, I'm just not going to put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> We came, away with a lot of, okay. <laughs> we came away with a lot of um, a lot of good ideas that we're that we're testing the waters with right now. Like one in particular, we we came up with like this ambassador program, and we're kind of feeling out what that's like um, growing potentially into New York. And we've already established a relationship with somebody there. So there's there's been some ideas that have come from it that are definitely going to take root and grow. Great, and and uh, Dan, for you. Uh, did Spire participate last year? We did, yeah. So this okay. is our second year. And you're probably, you want to do this again? This is a thing that seems oh, to really resonate we'll, with we you We will all? most certainly do it again next year. And I'm, I hope we have more than just our team. I hope we can convince a few other groups in the organization to, to do a team as well. So I know Matt would hopefully welcome another Spire team if, if we can pull one together. Yeah. So I want to, as we're, as we're getting close to wrapping up, I want to ask you both a, a, this question. Uh, I'll start with you first, Dan. What did you learn most either about the organization or about your team at Spire throughout this process? And, and Sarah, the same question is yeah. going to come to you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess, number one, just what you can accomplish if, with, you know, coming working at a large corporation, you're sort of used to, okay, we have this problem, we're going to throw 500 people at it and all this capital, and then we're going to build a timeline, and we're going to... 
well, oftentimes things move slowly, it's inefficient. These are basically two to three people with you know, t a tiny fraction of the resources we have. To see what they've accomplished in three years, it kind of makes us go back to our, the way that we do our business and say, if they can get all this done, why can't we do these few things that we're trying to move forward and push forward? I mean, it's, it's, it almost seems unfair how much we learn from them as well. So it almost, like you have to readopt a lean startup type model yeah. and, and really find ways to work without the bureaucracy that might exist exactly. in a large organization. Exactly, yes. And Sarah, how about you? What's your biggest learning throughout this My, process? Our biggest learning, I think, was we're, we're so close to the issue, like we're both breast cancer survivors, and so we've been through it, and we see the things that we see, but it was really cool to get ideas and perspectives from somebody on the outside, and to just, to, to think like, oh, that seems like such a simple idea, how did we not even see that, and, and I think it's just because we're so close to it, and so lots of things and lots of wheels we're turning after so and if people wanted to learn more about faith through fire what's the website yep faiththroughfire.org okay good i want to make sure mm -hmm. we get that plug in there yep and matt for you this is year two what have you learned throughout this process you know I, i'm wearing a mask i know this is radio so it doesn't really translate but i've got this goofiest grin on my face right now <laughs> because you see that all of the we're lucky enough at filament to do really cool work with amazing companies and organizations on the for-profit and the non-profit side but to see this connection where the work is happening and we're just the matchmakers is unbelievable. It's gratifying. And we think that next year, the 32 teams on each side of the ledger we had, 31 teams we had this year, next year we think we can be to 50 or 100 and really have this be a day where we move the needle for St. Louis on an annual basis. Yeah. And speaking of the growth of this, uh, what is the overall potential? Is this something that could scale outside of St. Louis even? I think absolutely. I, we, we've got to figure out how we move this to other cities. But at the end of the day, this is a simple challenge. It's an easy lift for the for-profits. It's a profound experience for the non-profits. And it's something that the, and the idea, the name Thanksgiving is just clever and different enough that people pay attention to it and want to learn more. Well, I will say my phone has learned more. It no longer autocorrects Thanksgiving. Yeah. keeps it capitalized. So you're already getting it into the lexicon of my, uh, of my iPhone. That also might mean how many times I text you about this. Uh, so you mentioned next year. Do you already have the date set for next year? November 3rd, 2022. And what's going to be different for us next year is that uh, in the past, each of the four profits have hosted their nonprofit. We're planning on taking over the entire Cortex District and everybody doing it from here on a single day. Wow. wow. Okay, so uh, Sarah Hall, Faith Through Fire, Dan Susie from uh, Spire, thanks so much for joining me. Matt, uh, the website for Filament is? Meetfilament.com. Meetfilament.com. If people want to learn more about next year's Thanksgiving, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Travis. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible right after this. Now back to Nothing Impossible on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Well, startups from all over the world came to St. Louis for the Global STL Health Innovation Summit to see how the region is becoming a hub for healthcare technologies. Our own Maria Kina talked with Global STL lead for BioSTL, Vijay Chowan, about this. Talk to me about the companies and the countries in St. Louis for this. The innovators are coming from UK, from Israel, from Germany, and Singapore. Those are the four countries that we had, and then a lot of U.S. companies. And so we started with about 10 countries, looked at about 1,500 companies, 1,500, and then identified the top 60 or 70. We asked them to apply, then we cut them down to 30 companies, and we put those 30 companies in front of all our partners and said, tell us which ones are the best for you to meet with. 
and then we in invited just the top 15. So it takes 1,500 companies for us to start and ultimately 15 to come here. And because we are so deliberate, the companies we find here are really special. That takes all of the unnecessary things of having to interview the people and figure out, is this a good match? That takes it out of it, and that's more attractive to the, the innovators. Exactly, right? So the innovators like it because the people who want to meet with them, they have been put in front of them through our process, and we are only putting the, the companies that are partners here in St. Louis, they told us what they want. They said, we are looking for somebody to solve problem A, B, and C. And because they tell us what they want, we only bring them what they want. So we call this demand-based innovation sourcing. We don't push innovation. We have a signal of what they want to buy, and then we go find that and put it in front of them. And that's why the folks here in St. Louis are so excited to be here, because we've done the hard work of finding the companies that they want to meet and made their job very easy. Come here, listen to a six-minute pitch, then they're going to have meetings with these companies in the afternoon. 120 meetings are going to take place in the afternoon between the startups and these major healthcare organizations. In the five years you've been doing this, how many companies are actually based now in St. Louis? So we have the presence of about uh, 19 or 20 companies in healthcare, agriculture. So we do a similar amount of work in agriculture, in cybersecurity, but healthcare, agriculture, and cybersecurity, there are about 19 or 20 companies. Um, and their presence is in offices here, employees here, customer relationships here, and so on. So it's a mixed bag, and our, we are now working on increasing the number of workers that they hire. This talent that they're looking for is really specialized. It's not easy to find this kind of talent. So one of the things we are working on is how do you bring the talent to the table? So that when the companies come, the talent is already here. So not in addition to bringing the companies, we also bring in the talent to St. Louis. What would you say as far as with the companies that are here now, so you know they're already interested? At any point where you say, we have to change our pitch, we have to do something else, is it an open forum where they could say? Uh, very much. So part of what we do is we localize these companies for the relevant circumstances and situations we have here. So we brought a company from UK into Southeast Missouri, Boot Heel region. You can think about how a UK company would have no clue about how to do that. And the company was smart enough to do, recognize that. So they told themselves, we're just going to hire a bunch of local talent. And we're going to sit down and say, this is our mission. You know your community. Tell us how we can engage with your community. So the idea of localizing is absolutely key to our success here. Many of these companies, they developed their presentations and they were talking about what they do in a certain way. We said, guys, that's not going to work. This is the right language. This is the way you talk. This is how you do it. And one of them is, in the Midwest, we are about relationships. We are not about transactions. So show up as a relationship-oriented company that says, I'm here to serve you, to help you achieve what you are. And if you do that, we in St. Louis will turn around and say, we'll take care of you. That doesn't happen in Boston and Silicon Valley, and that's what makes us special. So we like to bring those companies that are able to resonate with who we are as a Midwest St. Louis culture. What about the talent, the specialized talent? How's that going as far as having them here in St. Louis? Yeah, so we've been talking to you know several of the medical schools here. They're at the conference. They come running up to me and say, Vijay, what you're doing is really great. We want our students who are going through med school 
to get internships and work with these companies. So before, we would never be able to bring those ideas and opportunities. So we think the workforce in St. Louis is going to have access to 21st century cutting-edge innovation on which they can go and apply their training and then they go back into their uh, curriculum say, when I graduate, I want to be doing what these guys are doing, right? So we are building that workforce and the workforce people are at the table now asking, how can we work with you guys at Global SDL? Are we kind of ground zero for this, seeing the success that you are and our other places like the Bostons? Are they following our lead? No, you know, they've been doing this for a long time. By just being Boston, things come to them. They don't have to do anything, right? So they've been actually doing this for a long time in their way. What's really different is the way we are doing it. Nobody's doing it in this very purposeful way where we sit down with all our stakeholders who are sitting in their silos, we pull them out of their silos and say, let's work on this as a community. That is an incredible exception because all of these folks are competitors. Every day, Mercy and BJC and SSM uh, are providing competing services. But in our platform, they work together as a single community. That is really unique. They don't have that going on in Boston, and it'll never happen there because they're all prima donnas. Everybody thinks the world revolves around them, and so it's impossible to do that. But what they've got going on is they are a natural magnet. People already know, and they want to come there. What we are doing is we are telling them there is another place that is actually even bigger in buying power than those other places, and here we want to do business through relationships. If you are a relationship-oriented company, this is where you want to be. So we are building our own unique identity, and that is really resonating with people. Other places are watching what we're doing. They're trying to figure out. Some of them are copying. Some of them are doing some version of it. But I think what they will never be able to copy is our ability to have the sense of community that we built with our healthcare partners. It's attractive in the Midwest here in St. Louis. It doesn't cost anything to live here like it does on the coast. Yeah, and you know, that is absolutely true, but we never talk about that. We never bring up the cost of living as an advantage. Because if we do that, what we find is people say, oh, it must be a place where nobody wants to live. Right? So they associate low cost of living as low quality of life. And what I tell them is, I want to give you what you care about, which is business. When you come here and you see what a wonderful city we have, the quality of life, the museums, the great activities for your kids, you yourself are going to say, I want to move here. This is where I want my family to grow up. And then you start to see how everything you're looking for is so much cheaper. So they are coming to the realization we're not selling them on it. And when they see that, they're like, Vijay, there is no better place. I've got a better quality of life. My family feels like they are part of the community here. And it's so much easier and cheaper to do what we're trying to do. So they discover their advantage. We don't even use it as a selling point. That's always the first thing you always hear about, yeah. or about the selling point yeah. of how cheap it is. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. We are such, such a special place that I want to be appreciated for how special we are versus how cheap we are. <laughs> <laughs> that is icing on the cake. The yeah. fact that we happen to be a low cost of living, that's just upside. But what we are is what you value the most. So I want to meet them with where they care about the most. You care about customers, that's why you're going to Boston. Well, I'm giving you customers in St. Louis. That's what you value, that's what you got. Now that you're here, look at all the other upsides that you never thought were possible. There are people in Boston at these startups talking to the folks in St. Louis who are these startups, and the St. Louis people are telling them, 
Hey, how are your families doing in Boston? Oh, you know, we are really lonely. Our kids don't have any friends. We don't have that many relationships. People are really busy. And the guy says, you know, we have been here one year and here's what's going on. My wife belongs to all these gatherings. The kids go out and play dates. We have all these museums. So people in Boston are saying, what's going on in St. Louis? So that's how we think we're going to win over time. They will be our best ambassadors, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd rather, be, I'd rather have them tell the stories of St. Louis than me tell them St. Louis is great. I think if there's anything, uh, we here in St. Louis tend to not, uh, we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves and we tend to uh, view ourselves as second and third tier to others. I think we have a really special community here and what you'll hear from these folks is just by being who we are, they experience it, they feel the warmth and they want to come here and work with us. And so let's have our chin up a little bit higher and, uh, and figure out how to move our city forward into the 21st century economy. Because who's going to believe me? They're going to say, of course, you're a booster of St. Louis. Why would you say anything <laughs> bad? So my job is not to tell them. I want them to experience it. And then they become the, the champions. That's Vijay Chawan, the Global STL lead at BioSTL on the Global STL Health Innovation Summit, talking with our Maria Kina. Stay tuned. More Nothing Impossible after this on KMOX. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back. As we continue, let's put the spotlight on a new partnership involving both the public and private sectors to create a new bioinformatics program at Harris-Stowe State University. It's a collaboration with the United Healthcare Foundation and the president of United Healthcare Missouri, Pat Quinn, is on the line with us. Yeah, Pat, tell us a little bit about this new program. You bet. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so the United Health Foundation and United Health Group are committed and innovative partners that are working to address important health concerns in Missouri, including advancing um, health equity as well as diversifying the, the health workforce. So we're fortunate that the foundation announced today uh, that we are um, uh, issuing a $2 million grant over a three-year period for Harris-Stowe State University uh, for purposes of establishing a bioinformatics career development program for their student population. So give us a little bit of a, uh, a primer on what bioinformatics is. Sure. Yeah. So it, it's an emerging field in healthcare that, that combines uh, science, physics, math, and biology to aid in the diagnosis and treatments, as well as the discovery of new therapeutic advancements. So an example that some people may be aware of in using bioinformatics is the, the use of computer analysis on the Human Genome Project, which has recorded the 3 billion basic pairs of human DNA systems. So it's a, it's a very up-and-coming new field and extremely complex. Hey, that's an example that's got a St. Louis connection. I believe a lot of that work was done just up the street at Washington University, Travis. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, we've been building on that legacy for quite a while. Uh, I'm really curious. Tell us a little bit about the match with uh, Harris-Stowe State University and what this might mean for the students. Yeah, you bet. So, so the, uh, the, the foundation, United Health Foundation, uh, looks for creative partners. We were approached by Harris-Stowe State University. They applied for the grant opportunities to our board uh, who, who looks at the proposals 
and we're looking specifically for organizations that provide solutions that support the the health workforce. In particular, we're looking at really creating a diverse workforce. This particular field of bioinformatics is underrepresented. Um, there's only about a 7.1 percent uh, of the population that are involved in the biological and biomedical fields of life sciences that are uh, of the Black, Hispanic, and Native American people. So it was a really nice match to identify a great partner here in our local community with Harrisdale. 7.1%. Why is it so low? Uh, is that because of a, maybe a high barrier to entry that this aims to, to help with, uh, requiring you know training and skills and that sort of thing? Or why, why is it uh, only 7.1%? You know, it, it's, uh, I think that there are a number of fields that are um, not equally represented. Um, this just happens to be one that we identify that's you know tied to our mission as an organization where we're looking at you know helping people live healthier lives and, and helping the help having the healthcare system uh, work better for them. So we identify this as an area that's as we said underrepresented and we believe that you know working directly with Harris State University, which is a historically uh, black university college, we believe that we'll be able to help prime the uh, the pump and, and be able to, to increase that pipeline of, of eligible candidates. Well, one of the things I think about uh, just on the on the big data side of things, especially as we're looking at health uh, and bioinformatics, is that you know, data and algorithms have been fraught with bias built into the algorithms that are that are put together. And so, I'd imagine having more students of color and more professionals of color. Uh, at the early stages of of doing this work on the bioinformatics side would help weed out uh, some of the bias that could be uh, built into that. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know how, what how you see this uh, unfolding over time. Yeah, so we'll be working with Harris Stowe uh, in how they plan to utilize the grant, but in particular, I think, and I, I believe you've spoken to the folks over at Harris Stowe, their intent is to develop a curriculum that's going to combine coursework as well as professional uh, development and opportunities for internships with, with uh, companies here in the St. Louis area. Also to create awareness and, and opportunities to expose high school students, uh, in particular juniors and seniors in high schools in and around the St. Louis area to the field of bioinformatics through a, a summer boot camp. I believe the first boot camp is scheduled to occur uh, this June. And then finally, funding scholarships. Uh, so some of the, the grant dollars will be used to fund scholarships for up to 25 students uh, per year. And that exposure of high school students, uh, because, you know, by the time you get to college, your people are saying, what's your major going to be? Have you already decided? So exposing kids early to, I mean, they may decide not to go into this field, but go into some sort of technology field that they hadn't considered before. I mean, it seems like it's really important to at least get that exposure to students early so they can make those better informed decisions when they come up later on in their academic and professional careers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being able to get to these kids uh, while they're, you know, adolescents in high school, you know, sort of turning them on to what the field of bioinformatics uh, could be for them as a career path, I think, is, is great. And, and as you, you know, we talk about this underrepresentation, the, the notion of, of a, a diverse uh, health workforce is going to help provide more of a personalized, culturally competent care to an increasingly diverse U.S. population. So really, lining up the people that, uh, that, that that serve individuals that resemble them. Can you give us an idea of what types of 
jobs a, uh, a a person that has studied bioinformatics can do when they get into the field? There's a lot of jobs that have bioinformatics in the name. So bioinformatics specialists, scientists, research analysts, engineers. Um, you know, ultimately, there's a lot of, of job opportunities in the lab and research uh, area as well. So a, a lot of different sort of fields of study when you think about you know, bioinformatics combining the different fields with science, physics, math, and, and biology, it, it creates a, a full spectrum of, of, of opportunities and ultimately jobs. And you've got individuals in these careers also that may go on to teach, you know, courses in this, in this particular field of study in high school and college. And, and Pat, on the other side of that, where does this, uh, this field manifest itself on the patient or customer side? What are some ways, especially if you're a United Healthcare member, what are some ways that you may encounter bioinformatics, especially as we see technology having such a, a big impact in the wake of the pandemic on how people access healthcare and, and how doctors and nurses, uh, you know, crunch information and everything. How, how am I going to encounter bioinformatics in the course of getting care? Yeah, so I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not a real expert in that in that particular area, but I would tell you that uh, just intuitively, I think we may not see that directly as sort of patients seeing our physicians. A lot of the work that's that's being undertaken in the in the field of bioinformatics is going to fuel the the information insights, ultimately the the, the treatment of of healthcare uh, conditions that your your doctor might uh, be treating you for. Well, Michael, I'm I'm struck. Uh, you know, as we've done this show for quite a while, one of the other mm-hmm. earlier shows we did, we talked about the uh, the NGA and geospatial uh, sector creating new pathways and programs at Harris Stowe uh, State University. Uh, it's great to see that we're this is continuing, and there are there's another sector, you know, engaging uh, the the region's historically black college uh, in this way. Yeah, and Harris Stowe is really, I mean, embracing all of these different industry clusters that St. Louis really excels at. We talk about financial technology, sports technology, and as you mentioned, Harris Stowe really getting into biotech and bioscience and geospatial in St. Louis. And these companies, as they consider whether to come to St. Louis or not, they consider, is the talent going to be there? Am I going to be able to hire the workers that I need for this, this business? And this makes that possible. Well, and it also makes possible a broader collection of the community, a broader membership of the community participating in all the driving, uh, you know, industries that are that are creating new jobs and new opportunities and new economic uh, realities for folks. It's great for the historically underrepresented groups to to actively participate in this and have corporate partners that are that are also helping support this. Absolutely. Again, the United Health Foundation is giving a two million dollar grant to Harris Stowe State University to create a bioinformatics program on the undergraduate side. Pat Quinn, CEO of United Healthcare of Missouri. Thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for joining us again this week on Nothing Impossible. Download the podcast on the Odyssey app and uh, check us out next week for more stories of what's now and what's next in the St. Louis region. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.